Living with Maida Lee. Living with Maida Lee. Living with Maida Lee. Maida Lee. Living with Maida Lee. Hello, welcome to Living with Maida Lee. This is a show about nostalgic TV with myself and Liam Marley. Hello, Liam. Bonjour, monsieur. Hello. Um, yeah, and this is the last of the bonus episodes of series three. And so we, uh, and then next next couple of weeks we're going to start with series four. So exciting times! And there's going to be a few changes which we're going. I'm keeping. What's the word? Keep them. Keep them. Keep them your heart. Keep them lean. Keep. No, what's the what's the phrase? Treat them mean. Keep them keen. Treat. Yeah. So we're going to tell you at the end about uh, uh, some changes in format, aren't we, Liam? About this show. Yeah, you've, you've hooked them. You've put exactly. them right out. Um, but yeah, so obviously we normally start about talking about Maidley. Really quiet, which I'm surprised about, given obviously the news about the Queen. I thought he'd be all over that, but obviously it's his protege who's taken the news, isn't it? Yeah, he's, he's let Phil take the take the heat, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, I think, I, I, you know, I is, per- his, is his career ending for uh, for Scove? If it is, it's outrageous. Let's be honest. I mean, I understand why people are upset with him. I. I'm not a fan of Schofield. I don't know if it, that's because I'm I'm so tied to Maidley. It's almost like you know the next manager on. Yeah, yeah. You know you don't you don't like him, but um, I I'm not a fan of Schofield. I think he's a bit fake, false. That's just the impression I get. But he's done some he's done worse things than this, from what I can gather. Um, and everyone wants him fired. I think personally, people have just had enough of Holly and Phil. Yeah, I, I think it's bad, and then and then they've not really. The apology was not an apology. No. Said, well, we didn't do it, but no, it's. I, I we, think we've seen you do it, mate. They seem, know, I, I don't know. I don't. I, I don't really care as such. I just think it, it's obviously not gone down well, and they should have just no. said, "Yeah, do you know what? It would have looked better if we'd queued." And that's smug. Smug it. And I saw. I saw someone calling filth smugfield, <laughs> <laughs> which I absolutely love. It's filth smug- some, I'm sure everybody's seen them, but there's been some brilliant pictures out there of uh, seen one of him sat on coffin while they're carrying it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't know. I. I personally think i'm not a fan of phil schofield if he's banned from tv you know that'll not bother i don't think i watch anything with him on but yeah i don't know i think people are uh, they love a pile on don't they uh, can you trust anyone whose hair went white overnight no and um that well not that that's not something we might come on to uh in later episodes but phil schofield may pop up again next series um in in another thing that we've got planned but no Maidley news, um, and like, like I say, we're gonna we'll keep listening until after the the main event, which is the Walnut documentary, and we'll tell you about next series. Yeah, yeah. So, like you said, normally nostalgic TV. Has this ever been shown on TV? That's something I want. Sky to Sports ask. One, two thousand and five. Right. So technically, it could have been an episode anyway, but we were aware other people have done it, probably done it there. So, yeah, this is a bonus one. It's a bit self-indulgent. We both like it. And it's not that. Genuine- let, let- Let's be honest. We, 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 this is definitely the most asked for thing. Yeah, yeah, that definitely. We, yeah, that we've but, had. but when we first got asked to do it, we kind of very quickly ruled it out, and then we've, mm. I don't know, we both. I think with him popping up on social media recently as well, he's been quite entertaining. So yeah, that's yeah, put yeah. him back in the in the frame. So and we thought we'd do yeah, it as a bonus start, episode, shall we? Yeah, we thought we'd do it as a bonus episode because bonus episodes, obviously, we we don't take quite seriously. So, and it is um it is on YouTube as Neil Warnock documentary. Yeah, yeah, by uh, by Cool Dude 2020. Oh, I I, I saw the upload by Wooja. 
seen different versions. Yeah, different versions. But yeah, we'll get straight into it. This is uh, uh, follows Neil Warnock as manager of Sheffield United, season 2004 to 2005. It's his fifth full season as manager. Says it's his dream job. Um, and and it's all about can he win promotion? With can, his... can we start there with the first little click? It's not. I, I don't know. I just really liked it. I love how the music they picked for him is like some sort of action hero. Mm. It's a little bit of the music that they introduce him with. I mean, you get this music and you, you kind of imagine it should be sort of Superman or Captain America backflipping and, you know, some of <laughs> you see Warnock in his big coat walking around pointing and just gesturing. It. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I mean, we this we, we should, people who listen to this probably do now, but if you're uh, not a regular listener, we are Sheffield United fans and we went to a lot of games this season. I don't think we had a, don't think I've seen ticket this season, to be honest. I think we're both working the odd Saturday, so we didn't. Uh, we didn't have season tickets. We went to a lot of games this year. I don't yeah. know if you, you remember any of them. There were a couple that I thought, oh, I went to that one with Liam. Definitely, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, like you said, we you do BlazePod. I'm sure everybody knows that's how they've come across this. But we try very hard to, to separate this from that. This is not a Sheffield United podcast. It's just a general entertainment. Yeah, we're not going to talk. There's a big, big overlap in this one that we can't get away from because... To be quite honest with you, this this is kind of almost when I loved football. This is when I was earning enough to sort of be be paying to go a lot, and we were turning them into sort of nights out, meeting other people after. Mm. Just a brilliant era of, of football for me. And I think the the end of the Warnock era coincided with things changing a little bit for me and me not going so much. So yeah, mm. I I remember this phase very fondly, even when it wasn't all perfect. Well, we might come for you around it, though, but we'll, we'll just follow the documentary. He starts off, basically, with a pre-season uh, game at Matlock and straight in with his comedy. I, I, you've listened to this today as well, aren't you? Radio Sheffield have put out a, a Warnock uh, documentary, uh, not a documentary, a Warnock uh, interview today, aren't they? Uh, yeah, listen to it. It's only, only part one I could find. Sorry, is this mic all right? Um, only part one I could find today, Carlos Arbor and Neil Warnock. Um, yeah. And actually, there's a, one of our own... Uh, is, is it podcast? Is it yeah, video? Sheffield United's podcast, official podcast. Yeah, one of which our, I, which yeah. I listen to. I don't. I think I listen to it on YouTube. So it, it must be on on both. Um, mm. But yeah, that that was really interesting actually, because there was some stuff that was said in that that sort of ties into little bits of this and how he was treated, and mm. he comes across as feeling very sorry for himself. And I, I do, th- I do think you can understand why. I mean, he said in that one of our own. This was news to me that obviously this is after this phase anyway. But just just to kind of. Well, first of all, what he said about this is the way it was done and why it probably comes across so genuine. Mm. He didn't let the cameras in and the mics on for certain moments. He basically said to him, I'll be mic'd up permanently and you can record everything, but I want final say if I yeah. don't think it should go in. Yeah. Well, that's why I think we got such a sort of genuine. He's not just letting you see the bits that he perhaps would have cherry picked. We're getting mm. to see all of it, the good and the bad. So that yeah, was I, th- I think this documentary has all come to, the, to what we think overall, I suppose, at the end, but... It's in the top five, I think, for me, for behind the scenes at football documentaries. They can be pretty boring and a bit lame. I think like the the Tottenham one and Arsenal ones, they're all a little bit staged to a degree. I like the Sunderland one on Netflix, but there's well, this. Well, I think personally, if you if you like Sheffield United, there's obviously a lot there for you. If you like or hate Neil Warnock, there's something there for you. Mm. If you if you like sort of just almost sports psychology and yeah. You know, I'm not saying he gets everything right, but there's some some interesting ways that he approaches sort of some of his team talks and the way that he deals with sort of gamesmanship mm. and or lack of it sometimes. So yeah. 
Yeah, but anyway, well, I, anyway. I personally think if you're listening to this thinking, I, I suppose you wouldn't have got this far, would you? But if you're thinking this is not for me, I, I would say, you know, whoever you are, if you've not seen it, go and watch Neil Warnock documentary. It's a brilliant watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it kicks off, is it, Matlock, uh, pre-season, talking about new kits. And he says to a woman in the crowd, <laughs> he's talking about an orange kit that he, he really <laughs> liked, the new orange away kit. And he goes, you'll be sticking them out, you. <laughs> you'll be sticking them yeah. out. And uh, I presume it's her husband who's with him, says uh, she doesn't need an orange kit to do that. He yeah, loves he, that walnut, doesn't he? Some right banter. He gestures her uh, poking the chest out as well, doesn't he? He's yeah. Just, I love yeah. it how it's been on about a minute and he's kind of made a really sort of sexist remark. That yeah, straight he, away. He's such a dated man within... I was going to mention this. I, my, 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 one of my next notes is, it, it, the next bit after this, he talks about retiring. He managed another 16 years after this and he seems yeah. old school here. Yeah, yeah. I think he's he's of a bygone era. But, but somehow, and this is obviously, we're, we're rambling on a bit before we get into it, but this is what I found quite interesting about it all, particularly watching it this time round, having not seen mm. it for a few years, how he how he manages to kind of adapt and, and keep going in the modern game, because he looks very out of date in this. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I found fascinating. Another 16 years of management after this. And it, and this looks like a man who's winding down, not in the way that he acts, but just to look at him and his and his philosophies and stuff. So the, the, we go to the first home game. It's uh, Stoke at home. I remember this one. Uh, and I like this. I'm just going to play a little clip here. Uh, Wardot talks about what he does just before he goes out uh, into the technical area. When the players go out, all the staff go out as well. And I just have a couple of minutes, that's all. And I always have done. I like having a thought, go to the toilet, what have you, and uh, say a little prayer or something like that. You know, nothing untoward. I think about my family just for a few minutes and uh, just calm down, really. I love I love him on the toilet, like having a shit, saying his prayers, and then thinking about his mum and dad. Like I got a toilet, I'm not like, what have you? I, I send me prayers and there. Uh, like, yeah, and he's, he's sort of just it. mooching about in the changing rooms, and he's he's a strange character because he's he's so confident and he and he sort of he's happy to have banter or, or arguments with anyone, but he does come across as quite a sort of private bloke as well. He, mm. he likes his own space. I think he's it. He's a he's a one-off, definitely. He definitely is. And in this basically Stoke game, anyway, uh, Adi Akinbaye, who Sheffield United later signed, squares up to him. Did you know it you were in? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't remember that until I watched it. But but yeah, I did see it and thought, yeah, because they actually come kind of head to head, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Akinbaye, yeah, absolute beast, didn't he? Like, he's wow, what six foot five, like huge. But I, I remember when he scored against Wales, took his shirt Some off. of his runs, in it, with his football head on. He's, he's ranting because he thinks that's what a football manager should do. I don't think he's ever trying to bully or no, no. intimidate people. I think he could come across like that. And I think we've all heard about Fergie and the hairdryer. And yeah. I think despite him ranting and screaming at people, it, it's actually normally fairly constructive. And, and it's interesting, yeah. actually, because all the players kind of say, you know, well, well, once that screaming match is done, everything's all right. Then well, like Morgan says at half time, and we see this in, in this bit here, Chris Morgan, captain Sheffield United at the time, uh, he said he doesn't rant at half time. I have seen a rant. I'm going to play a little bit of this rant. This is not from this documentary, but uh, this is when he was manager of Huddersfield and they were tunneled down an FA Cup game. And I'm just going to play like a little bit of it. Look at me while I'm talking. The second goal. The fucking first goal, Dad. You and Chris Billy, soft as shit. You're letting him fucking back into it all fucking day, you. And not happy. You, you're in fucking Latvia. You, and you, come off. Go and get a bath. When we've gone out. 
You two come straight on. And you're not as bad as anybody. Don't fucking melt that. We've got no to lose now. Nobody having weight. We've got plain wine. It's a quagmire. I says to you, the ball's not going to run. The first kick you have, you try bleeding, touching and get pulled. Why talk? Why not bother talking if you do that? The one, two, you and Chris. Both of you. For the goal. What's your excuse there? No excuse at all. No. Yeah, but, yeah. So like, like you say, it doesn't like a half-time rant, clearly. No, no. But obviously, when the, when the time calls, I mean that that were from like ten years previous or whatever this. But, um, but yeah, they were. T- he talks about how much he hates refs. Um, I've got a bit of a not an anecdote, but I suppose it is. I met a ref once. It's exactly an anecdote, isn't it? If it starts with I met, <laughs> it is an anecdote, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that that is exactly an anecdote. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I met a ref once. Uh, I got an executive box, uh, Bramall Lane. Uh, well, I, and I can't remember this ref's name. And he's a fairly not famous one, but he managed at least in Championship level. I remember his name, but I can't remember it now. Um, and he said he loved Warnock because we said, "Oh, what's it like?" You know, because we got to talk to this ref and all that. Saying, "What's what were Warnock like?" He goes, "Oh, one of the best I've." He goes, because after every game, he'd have a go and he'd come up and say, "Good game" or whatever. Obviously, in this, he doesn't. But to this particular ref. That's what he was saying. He said he sent him a Christmas card every year. Yeah, I think he's... I'm sure there's loads who disagree, and I'm sure he can come across as very unpleasant. But this reaffirms to me. I'm glad we've watched this. I'm glad we've done it, because I remember him fondly, and I've been speaking to people fairly recently, and I read Mm. uh, an article by Ben on uh, Pinch as well that Mm. really well written and just made me sort of... made me question a little bit of, of the Warnock era and how I remembered it. Yeah, but actually looking back on this, yeah, I, I fully accept why people don't like him and don't get him. But this this was a great era of football for me, and he was a big part of it. I personally preferred him when he wasn't our manager. Weirdly, when he were our manager, and after every match, you were like, "Oh, we've lost four nil," and he'd come up, referee today. You think, "Oh, just what are you on about? Stop passing." But obviously, that's again, and it's, he says it at the end. He says his last rant at the end is how much he sticks up for people in the press when he knows they've they've played shit. But he'll come out and say, Tongi today, absolutely fantastic. You're thinking, what's he talking about? You know what yeah. I mean? It, it makes him very irritating at times, and I'm sure it makes him very bitter at times. But well, yeah. a, a lot of that is, is protecting his players, I think. Whether it's conscious or whether it's just he goes into defensive mode. But I think he's not a manager who's going to come out and throw any anyone under the bus. He just doesn't work like that. No, no. But anyway, this stop game finishes nil nil, which is a poor result. If I remember rightly, I think Stoke had a man sent off. He doesn't say in the documentary, but I think that's what happened. And I love this brilliant transition uh, in his post-match team talk here. That's for sure. Why didn't somebody just say it back? And if you've nobody, fuck off. The Stoke match home. finished nil nil. You've got to do it yourselves. We can't fucking shout everything. What did you do when he went back on there? What did you say? I'll fuck off. I'm not going to bark you. If, if tongue is spare, we don't need you back there. Fucking hell, it's just fucking basics. But there's no wrong with that, lads, is there? We're not be fucking far away. I wouldn't want to fucking play as here and there. And that's a tough one. Saturday's a tough one all, isn't it? Yeah, I love that. And th- <laughs> This is, again, kind of getting into the psychology of it. I think I think what he's doing, and, and whether he's, he's read books on what he's doing, but he he's, he's very good. He'll be very critical, and he'll really drag him down. But then he'll leave them on a bit of a positive or just, just build them mm. up a little bit at the end so that they don't leave the dressing room completely beaten up and battered. I think he yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he can be critical. He'll single them out. And I think he's he gives them reasons for why he thinks that. 
Yeah. But I think he's he's very quick to to praise when he sees it as well, and I think he. I love that quick. He's fucking hell, fuck it. I'd say what? There's not wrong with that, though, is there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I saw an interview no. with Paul Pesky Solido who used to play under him, and uh, he said he must have Jedi mind skills. He goes because I, I scored a hat trick against Chillingham. He goes and then he took me into office with that. He goes I'm dropping you for the next game. He goes and I came out delighted. <laughs> like and he goes and I don't I still don't understand to this day why I weren't angry. He's <laughs> good. some. Typical moments of that as well that are so worn a Kesk in this where he stood shouting and he's moaning and as soon as somebody comes up to him, his, his hands go behind his back and yeah. he, he shuffles away back down to his dugout. I think he, he loved that hands behind the back. He did that so many times. Sometimes he's having a go because he just can't contain it and that's when he he's just explodes. But I think there's other times a lot of it. He's, he's just... I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it's tactical or I don't know if it's... He believes that if you don't keep on top of the officials, that they're going to stitch him mm. up. But he's got to keep reminding them he's there. I don't know. I can't really defend he argues There's a, every scene in this, he's arguing with someone in terms of when he's on the in the dugout or in the, on the technical area, or whatever. Is it, I mean, we'll come on to this next bit actually, and it's Warnock versus Blackwell. There's, I forgot to mention that uh, the voiceover is done by James Richardson, isn't it? Do you know the Gazette? I don't know if you noticed that. I didn't know. No. Yeah, obviously he used to do football. Oh, yeah. yeah. Italia, yeah. Um, it, this is brilliant, this, because he describes, he, goes, uh, he says, Kevin Blackwell used to be one of his friends, but now he's one of his enemies. <laughs> I look like he's got enemies, like sort of a cartoon character. But Blackwell, Blackwell was, Kevin Blackwell was his assistant at Sheffield United. Then he left to go to Leeds without telling him. Uh, and Warnock just was furious. And you can tell how he's, he's even bitter about it here, isn't he? Yeah. And it goes back to that thing where I think it's very easy to say, oh, God, it's one of being bitter again. But I think his his point is, which is right, you know, after 13 years or 17 years or whatever it is of working together, uh, it'd be nice to be told face to face and not from a journalist or a journal, mm. I think he says. But yeah, it, yeah, and I think that's absolutely right. And, and Blackwell's moaning about and I never, I'm not Blackwell's biggest fan anyway. Well, but I don't I, think many people are. I what didn't if? have that uh, support from Neil when I moved on. It's like, well. You know, if, if you took another job without telling him, yeah, surely you, you expect some frustration in that. Now, I'm, I, yeah, I don't know whether Warner handled it well. Probably not, but I certainly understand why he would be disappointed in that. Yeah, I, I mean, Blackwell went on to become Sheffield United manager, and he got us to a playoff final, but it, ugh, terrible football. And I don't know if you ever listened to Under the Cosh podcast. Uh, every player goes on that. Everyone slags him off like in a massive yeah, way I, I don't but I think you've told me that before yeah he's yeah. it, not com- but Warnock his last job at Middlesbrough and the ones before that Cardiff he, Blackwell was assistant there so they yeah, always buried yeah. the hatchet after this documentary uh, but then uh, one of the most famous scenes after this is uh, striker Dana Kadamatre who's just been sick before the uh, Wolves v uh, Sheffield United game I'm playing Shoei I'm playing Shoei off Andy Gray yeah 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 Bloody hell, I want you ready, lads, in about a minute, lads, eh? Sorry about that. One, two. Danny, go and get it, Batson. Go and have two so I don't sit. That can make me feel sick if I look at you. But I want yeah, to touch on Karamatra, because we think he's the unluckiest striker of all time, don't we? Well, yeah, like, like I say, this is an era when we, we were going a lot. We were sat top right of the cop, top left as you look at the cop from the pitch. And it seemed like... All the time, Kadamatra used to be cutting in just round, coming in towards the goal from our side mm-hmm. and then just missing it or just, just putting it wide or keeper getting a fingertip. It, it seems like, I'm sure it's not this, but 
he could have scored about 13 a game, I remember. Yeah, it, uh, this is how I remember it. I'm sure we're wrong. But I, I once tweeted, uh, so, uh, someone said something about Karamatra, and I thought, I swear he hit the post 450 times. And he actually responded, Danny Karamatra, put 451, actually. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I always remember him being really unlucky. He <laughs> hit the post and, like saves and, and just going wide. He only, I looked it up, he only scored one goal for us. Oh, really? Yeah, one. That's crazy. I, yeah. I think he should have been the top scorer in the division. I think know. he should have been in the England squad. Five margins. If these little shots... I mean, we've obviously misremembered this. If any any other Sheffield United fans... I reckon, like, because every shot missed by about three or four mil, he's probably <laughs> about a metre and a half away from being like Alan Shearer. Yeah, that's what... The, Daddy Kibbert, the most unlucky man in football. But anyway, this Blades-Wolves game finishes 3-3. United can see the last-minute winner. And I'm going to play... Basically, a minute of a, of an argument here that Neil Warnock has. Well, this with. is, I think, this is top management actually. I yeah. Think he, he he calls them out on what they've got wrong. He's given them tactics and they've not followed it. Mm. He calls them out and he's not just shouting and swearing. He's he's fuming, but he's constructive. Yeah, like you say, let's listen to it. Let's, who's got in? Why have you got in? Who do you have to pick up, you? Who, is it fucking black and white or what? Who do you pick up, you? Let's go. And we last fucking two minutes. Can you fucking get him in time he comes to take a fucking kick? Can you, can you not get to pick him up by the time he gets from there to there? Whoever's in the fucking box. There's fucking three big ones at the back. Yeah. Oh no, it's let's go one of them. Hey? It's let's go one no, of them. Well, and the fucking two other big fuckers. <laughs> you pick Lesko. If one of the other scores, I don't fucking blame you. And you pick your fucking man up. And if it's the spare man, I take the fucking blame. It's in fucking black and white, Gaffer. You pick up whoever's fucking there. You went to take the ball back and he's fucking three. So, so, so Lesko's got nobody on him, has he? He's demarking him. man. I love this bit. I, I, I love Morgan where he says, "Like I've got Craddock and the other two big fuckers. Can't even remember the names." <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And them, let's go. No, no, it's fucking not. No, yeah, it's fucking not. It's then brilliant. he says this uh, very famous line. All this fucking I'm sorry and all this bullshit. That's a lot of bollocks. You've got to fucking die to get three points. If we're going to go fucking promotion, can't I just keep fucking I'm sorry. Who's it going to be next fucking week? Fucking hell. All the fucking work and quality that you've played there. And you throw it away. It's a fucking set piece. Yeah, that's become such a famous quote. I, I would imagine everyone's aware of that, if you're a football fan, even if you've not seen this, because it, it's such an iconic sort of, like I say, I, personally, I think it's good because he's not, he's calling out players who can clearly take it. I mean, Morgs is quite happy to give him a bit back. Jag Elk is there, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Jag's not afraid of an argument. You know, I think, I think and ultimately, he, he is getting him to, to question that actually, do you know what? There's a, there's a line in there that's, that I think is great. You know, if, if if you leave them and they score, that's my problem or, or it's his problem because it's his man or it's nobody's man and that's mine. Something like that. And that, that's great because, you do what I say, and if it goes, mm. although I think the funny thing is, if we could see the opposite where somebody does just <laughs> yeah. someone said it in him, going, You can't just fucking leave a man, you can't leave a Morgs. What you do, you fucking solve it. Because I know, like, Morgs' point is, it's not black and white, Gaffer. When, when somebody there, you've got to take him. And I, yeah, yeah I, I've, ne- I've never been a fan of zonal marking, and I think 
it surprises me that that's that's well i suppose it's man for man really not zonal isn't it yeah yeah i mean like you say he basically wants him to to stay rather than go back i think i think he's trying to play the offside track because he says it takes fucking balls yeah, to stay he there wants him to be brave and stay forward doesn't he yeah yeah but he's hard in it and it's last minute anyway we'll we sort of get a draw in a, in a cracker of a game I remember that one three three uh, and then it's a winter break and he takes the team to scarborough and there's a really quick scene here where, I don't know if you noticed this bit, where he's talking to the one foreign player in the squad at that time, who's uh, Emmanuel Gabriella. I think he's played one game. And he, and he said, he asked him to pick some people out to, to run in the sea. And this, obviously, this guy doesn't speak English, this Gabriella. I think he's from France, Italy or France somewhere. And Bonnet goes, the fucking sea. Do you understand that? The sea. <laughs> yeah. The fu- then he like, does like a thing, like a fucking sea. Like, tries to, with his hands, describe well, I, I the think sea. He's slightly misunderstood that bit because I took from that that he asked all the players to write down the three players they disliked the least all right disliked the most sorry yeah and that he's that's what he's trying to explain that to him but he's given it to everyone and I think that's why the players that run in sea run in the sea ah possibly yeah and then he says something there like you see uh, they've had the votes and uh, this is what happens, you fuckers, or something like that. I but think this guy is obviously not understanding and he's just goes, the fucking sea, yeah, do you the understand sea, yeah. that? The, the <laughs> sea, the sea, yeah, yeah. Yeah, do you understand that? Warnock is definitely enjoying like himself this as well, uh, on this trip. We'll play the clip, actually, Morgan describing it, but you can so much see this in sort of like the, I wouldn't say cheap Warnock, but he's always out for if he can get something, but mm. this is more describing maybe why he takes them up and round there. Oh, he'll love it because he'll, uh, he'll be able to take the family back to Scarborough and then he'll, he'll get things for free any day. People appreciate it when the gaffer does take time out and he takes his players places. So um, if he goes back and he has a free, uh, free jumbo fish and chips, then that's good for him. Yeah, I, mean, I can imagine Warnock coming in saying, uh, it's me again. Do you remember when I brought 30 lads in uh, a couple of weeks ago? Any chance for a fish supper? I think uh, Warnock in the, on this trip is enjoying himself more than any single person here. The players look a bit bemused while they're there. Like You can see, like I don't know, Geary's on a ride at one point, Derek Geary. Yeah. He's been, because he's the smallest player, they put him on a ride. And Warnock's pissing himself. And Geary's just sort of looking around a bit confused. Yeah, Warnock absolutely loves this. But, I mean, the one thing that kind of comes through throughout and, and Asabo was saying that in the in the thing that I listened to today is that generally speaking the players who play for him will all talk about how good a man manager he is how you feel part of his club mm. and his, his family almost and yeah I mean I've heard players I can't give you names can't remember who it was but I heard on TalkSport there was a, a player saying when he first came to England I think he, he was sort of a bit lost and didn't know where to be. And Warnock took him in and they were giving him family dinners at home with his family and mm. he sort of said you know he's I think this Scarborough bit shows that side of him that it might not be what all managers would do. You know, some would fly them all off to Benidorm and they'd all just sit drinking in the sun. But he goes and does something that's, you know, that at least he finds amusing, even if they they don't. (laughs) It's a bit of team bonding. Yeah, yeah. And Carlos Arbor says in that thing today, he said something along the lines of, Normally you go into like a hut or a, or well nowadays it'd be like a massive complex I imagine to watch the matches back you have to see where you've gone wrong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You used to go around to Warnock's house. Yeah, no. And all sit and like it is like all have to squeeze into his like living room to watch the match back. You're right. You've you've done shit there, that uh, sobs. You know what I mean? But, yeah, yeah, brilliant. But I think yeah, you, I, by, by you, going to hear a you know a man from a although we say that he, he's he's doing it recently so there's clearly yeah. something in even if he's a bit dated on some of his his shouting and his views on refs and whatever else it might be. He's, mm. he's clearly that man management side of him that's carried him through his career, I think. 
Yeah, definitely. And I think he's, obviously his big thing, Warnock, is, as you said earlier about player psychology, how he handles player players in a psychological sense. And he gets that team spirit. I think he's all about the team spirit. And I think the next scene, you see that team spirit. We play Millwall away. Um, and we get the classic. We're in London, aren't we? That's not. We're not getting decisions because we're in London, aren't we? Yeah, well, uh, we get him uh, when he. I like it when he gets off the coach actually, because yeah. he gets a bit of stick. But he, again, he's he kind of knows what he's about, you know. And he yeah. sort of says, "Oh yeah, I normally get worse than that." I think he's not one of these who just head down, walks in, or headphones no. on, or he, he engages with people even if they're basically having a go in. Yeah, there's one later on when we play Leeds, and uh, they're going. Did anyone see him in Yorkshire? He's going, "Where? What? Eh?" Can't hear you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So it's 0-0 against Millwall, and at our time it kicks off in the tunnel. Chris Morgan flies in. Turns out Kevin Muscat, who plays for Millwall, has headbutted Paddy Kenny. But somehow Kenny's sent off, and we don't go into that, but Kenny's got a massive lump on his head. He's been headbutted. And then we find out Paddy Kenny's been sent off. They're coming together, and Muscat headbutts Paddy Kenny, and, and there's not really much else... I think everybody drags him apart. But yeah, Paddy Kenny gets sent off as well as Muscat, which seems crazy. But Morgan, he's a shithouse. He's a shithouse. We'll get him after game. We'll get him after game. Like it's some sort of like, I don't know, fucking like again. But I don't think you get this in dressing rooms nowadays. It's just bizarre, really, when you when you think back. It, it weren't that long ago. But I can't imagine, I don't know, Kevin De Bruyne or whatever. But we'll get him after game, Gaffer. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, Phil Jagiel across the going goal. United go 1-0 down, but they win 2-1. And then we get this fantastic scene where every single player, Millwall player coming off the pitch, is greeted by this. What I love there is how it's not like as they've turned away, as they've gone, he's turned to camera and sort of said, that's for Muscat. He's, he's walking up to the faces with a big yeah. grin on his face saying, hey, that's for Muscat, that. You deserve that for Muscat. Brilliant. I'd love to Absolutely say, did he brilliant. say it to Muscat? No, because I don't know where he is. He's, I don't know if he's he's not there, is he? He's been sent no, off. So. I, no, I don't think Muscat did get sent off. I could yeah, be wrong. Did. Yeah, they were both sent off. Oh, they both sent Sorry, I, I, I thought it was just Paddy who had been sent off, but... Uh, yeah, it'd be brilliant. Like if it had gone up to Moscow, said so that's for Moscow. Now. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, it's after um, Warlock says something like, "Oh, we don't need a keeper," and it cuts to Paddy Kenny like sort of smart. He's sat in exactly the same place as he were at half time, yeah. and obviously he's not. He's not, not moved. He's probably got a concussion. He's got a big, massive bruise yeah, on him. They've just left him there, haven't they, for the second half? Yeah. And the next um, bit is sorry, go on. Yeah, and, and throughout this as well, what we've seen is how superstitious Neil Warnock is. And I think he's only half-joking when he sort of says he don't want to change things. He's going to leave Jags mm. in net for the next game. Well, there's, a, there's a story, isn't there, about when Sheffield not playing Sheffield Wednesday uh, at home and he would, oh, what player was it? And he said, he, he told the player we were going to play. I can't remember what player it were. And he told the player we were going to play anyway. And um, and then that, that morning he said, I'm sorry, you, you, you're not playing because my wife had a dream. Uh, that Alan Quinn were going to score today. Um, so I'm, and he said he were absolutely. I can't remember what player it were now. But he said no, he were absolutely. I don't know if I've heard that or not. But I, I think it might have been on Sheffield United away. That actually, I can't remember what player it were. But anyway, so he didn't play. But Alan Quinn did score. So maybe, maybe she's the genius behind Warnock. Yeah, yeah, maybe so. Yeah, um, I can't. You know, it's uh, Paul Eiffel playing for them as well. That's who it were. That's who it were. Paul Eiffel had been dropped, and he put Alan Quinn in. That's who it were. 
All right, well, he's playing for them in this one. Yeah, yeah, because he's, he's one who gets her, uh, one of the people who gets to that's for Muscat, don't I? But yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. He, Warnock said he had a dream. Uh, his wife had a dream and Alan Quinn scored. So on the day of the game, he dropped Eiffel. Eiffel said he was furious, but then he scored. So he said he couldn't say anything. Um, well, yeah. I'm surprised you weren't trying to get his missus to dream all the time about Try and dream about game, won't you, love? Yeah, I reckon that's a dream about it. Well, I wonder if she didn't dream about it and he just had to change her heart but didn't want to... I don't know if that was part of it. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, next bit is uh, a bad scene. I wonder if she said to uh, Eiffel after the game, uh, that's for my wife's dream, that is. That's for my wife's dream, that. That's for Quinny. Uh, yeah, Warnock's after a striker. I can't put into words for people who don't support Sheffield United how many strikers Neil Warnock signed. Uh, he loves a striker. He loves an average striker. I think his problem is... It, as he said in various different things I've listened to, but it's evident in this, nobody's ever given him money. And it's a tough one, really, because I think there's almost a sort of thing of, oh, he's no good at the top level because he's no good at... But nobody's ever given him the money to have a gamble at it. So yeah. we'll never know. I think he's always been... Although you say budget. this, the season after this, when United get promoted, um, we signed right. Akin Baye and Jeff Horsfield for... A lot of money, and they were both... He did, but I can good. imagine he had to fight tooth and nail just to get anything, and that's all he could yeah. get. I can't imagine he was given a kind of, right, here's your war chest, go and buy one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he probably had to make a case for about 30 different players. and then. I think this. I think what he did throughout his career, I, I think he, when he did have money to spend, it, other clubs as, as well, he didn't seem to spend it that wisely. I think he, he loved more than anything finding a player who would... Just sort of falling off the straight and narrow, you know what I mean? And like someone, and he could get him back to the former glories. Yeah, yeah. And we've but, seen this what, this scene. Sorry, is after... But what I would say though is that you get a name for people like that, but but he could never go out and get the talent. They weren't going to spend on a top scoring player. He had to take a gamble on someone. And I know I can buy was was a, a decent signing for us, and that probably was about as big a gamble as we're ever going to take. But mm. they were never going to go out and let him get top level. I mean, you can see the board wanted uh, big Duncan Ferguson. This is the, I looked into this. Kevin McCabe, the chairman of Sheffield United at the time, Warnock's after striker, and Kevin McCabe brings up randomly Duncan Ferguson because he wants to get more people in the ground, which is classic McCabe. Uh, he's uh, definitely more interested in uh, off-the-pitch stuff than on-the-pitch stuff. Yeah, I, so, I so exactly that. He's not... Now, I'd have loved Dunk Ferguson to come to Sheffield United. I think he's our sort of style of player. I really like him. But, yeah, McCabe's not buying him because he thinks that's a good fit for what Warnick needs. He's trying to buy him to get more fans and ultimately more money in. Yeah, he which, says we could get an extra couple of thousand on Gay. And then Warnock says... And the says, biggest sort of thing after this is, obviously, this this doesn't finish his whole career at Sheffield United. It's only a snapshot of it. But mm. I thought it was really interesting that when he came, we're only getting 8,000 fans. Mm. And when he left, we were getting 28,000 fans. To be fair, he does embellish that. We got 8,000 fans on one particular game, oh, before right. the, the, the game before he came in. The 8,000 were a bit of a... And it, I think it was 9,000 as well. Because he mentions this in every interview. Like They were getting 8,000. I'm pretty sure the average attendance that season was something like 14. Which is well, not great. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's still not great. And obviously now we're getting 27 or whatever we are. So I'm not knocking, knocking him for that. But he does bring that up a lot. He does that quite a lot. He's like... Obviously, well, make I think sell. the biggest problem is that if, we're not summarising this documentary now, are we? We're just talking about <laughs> Warnock. But I, personally, I I think he doesn't get the credit he deserves. He's he's got a lot of promotions. I think he's he's done a lot on very low budgets. He tends to be brought in when there's not a lot of money to be spent, and they need someone just to gel a team. Mm. I, I think he he feels he's got to make these claims because 
he feels I don't know, it probably has to justify some of what he's done. Mm-hmm. He he doesn't ever get introduced as, you know, successful manager. He gets introduced yeah. as almost journeyman Neil Warner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, we, sorry, we, we met McCabe, didn't we? And uh, yeah. he described him as a prostitute, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, Kevin McCabe did say Neil Warner was a prostitute. We should like for legal reasons say I don't think he was talking about literally. Uh, uh, well, well he didn't he didn't make it clear one way or another, but no, he didn't. But I think we're talking more about uh, he wanted to hold himself out. I think is uh, what he were uh, getting out to other clubs to get think, himself yeah, more he money. Chased, chased the Yankee dollar was his point. Chasing, Although, yeah. to be fair, and again, this is this is a bit of a tangent, but what I found really interesting on that uh, Warnock thing, the um, one of our own. Mm. Apparently, when we got promoted, there was nothing in his contract about. Mm a pay rise or any bonuses or anything like that. Mm. So he kind of went away celebrating in that. And I think his missus had sort of said, Oh, you know, what does this change? And he, and he sort of said something like, Oh, you know, Kevin will see me right. Or something like that. Yeah. yeah. I think they, they basically gave him nothing. He just carried on yeah. on his same contract. Yeah, same contract. The only top, thing that they introduced <laughs> is if he could get him top four in the prem, then there'd be like a, a decent payoff then for him. But yeah. What, what ridiculous target that is. That That's easy. We went down in the premier league. You remember Sean Bean's outburst at the end. Sean Bean were on the board at Sheffield United. He went, Hey, maybe we'd have stayed up if it weren't for one man talking about his contract all time. Absolutely. And obviously yeah. there's that scene. There's, there's all that uh, thing about where Sean Bean came in and apparently, Saying, shouting, and swearing at Warnock. Threatened him in front of his kids or something. Threatened him in front of his kids. That's what Warnock says. Rumored, yeah. Yeah, Warnock says that Sean Bean. I'd love to have seen that. Came flying into the dressing room and uh, started having a go at him in front of his kids. Like dressed as sharp as well when he did it, like bursting (laughs) in in uniform. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, uh, just on Duncan Ferguson before we go, I looked at whether this would have been a good signing or not. He scored one goal after this season. Like for the rest of his career. A big dunk. Yeah. Yeah, but it was a it was an enforcer though, wasn't it? Yeah, but I think Warlock were right not to sign him. Um but then we get to a pivotal point of the season where Sheffield United play the top three in a month and uh we lose them all. <laughs> yeah. For him. Uh, and there's another great bit here where the great fuming to positive transition where he he, he switches it. Fuck you can much more, can we? Yeah, you can do a fucking lot more. You can start from first fucking whistle. Oh, yeah. Fucking hell, fire. The second half's a proper fucking pillow. I know, but Morgs, you've got a mecky like that. We fucking let everybody lose their battles first off, everywhere. Him, first half, fucking hell, my missus could have fucking played against him. Now, second half, he's won everything. John Arley, fucking 70-30 second half. Everybody. Fucking everybody. Not just one here. Everybody in fucking team. Let's get him back. He's fucking disappointing. All of us disappointing. But fucking take the positives out of that. Take the positives out of that. Yeah, I love how he does that. And it's not <coughs> even a transition. It's just the... Uh, it's Lampard, isn't it? It's... Uh, <laughs> seriously. Yeah. Um, it's, oh, I don't know. It's weird because obviously this time round I, I knew and I suppose I was there even. But when, when this documentary first came out, it came out on DVD that you could go and buy in the club mm, shop, didn't it? I think. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You bought it. Yeah, Maybe I didn't say that to the wild public. Maybe Sheffield United did that as like a dodgy backdoor thing. I'm not sure, but <laughs> but yeah, you lent it me, and I remember my my cousin lives in a place called Corby, um, nearish Leicester. There's a lot of Scottish there from mm-hmm. Glasgow, but anyway, I took that down there and watched it. And I remember watching it at a house party that I was at. I took it and we put it on into the you room. You put a Warnock documentary on at a house party. I didn't take it for that reason. I took it to lend it <laughs> someone. 
That's but, amazing. I'm at party, Walnut documentary. Come but on. We ended up putting it on in a room. And like slowly, loads of people were drifting from like where all music was in sort of kitchen and front of house. They were drifting. There were loads of people cramming in this room watching this Warnock documentary at one bit. Oh, I, I think somebody boy. actually took it. I, I never saw it again after that. So. Party boy Liam fucking bringing his Warnock documentary. Here he is. Look, his Warnock documentary. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, there's a. Uh, this is where we come to probably the most famous thing in it all. This is when Warnock's having it, this is just a compilation of Warnock ranting at a linesman and a ref when we lost 2-0 to Ipswich. You're fine! You're fine running! I don't know when you get a chance to run, I know I'm shouting. You're just trying to show me that you're not biased all the time, will you? I know! It's getting the fucking ball out, man! What the fucking hell's happening? Fucking top of me, penny and shit, they all get the fucking decisions. We're fucking toss spots like that. this is the bit i remember from from watching it last time is this particular scene where you've got to see that then he says someone else tell him he's got to see that then he tells one of his players get out there and warm up tell him he's got to see that yeah I love how, like, this point is so burned in his mind, he's got to have seen it. He goes, what the fucking hell's going on? I mean, again, perhaps watching it through biased eyes, I think he's he's got a point again. I think that, uh, as well, I don't don't understand, why does he go cock now when he says fucking as well? Fucking hell. Fucking hell, yeah. Like, I don't know why why he goes cock when he says it. But yeah, that's, uh, I remember that game. I think it was just better than us personally, (laughs) but... Uh, then it's Arsenal away in the cup. We draw 1-1. He's absolutely delighted. I well, love it, cuts, it cuts to him uh, as well, doesn't it? Um, is that before or after this when it cuts to him in church singing his hymns? Uh, I don't know if I've got that right. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I think you're right, yeah. Yeah, no, it's after the Arsenal game. Sorry, yeah, I've got this here. It's uh, after, yeah, but is it before the replay? It's before the replay. So we draw 1-1 with Arsenal. Yeah, and he goes, yeah, I saw want to beat Plymouth, mate. I saw want to beat Plymouth. We'll lose 3-0. And yeah. then he's in church. He's got a terrible voice, by the way. I don't know if you heard it. Fucking hell! <laughs> Fucking hell! I was like, oh. but yeah, he's. Uh, I mean, his house is a nice pad as well, isn't it? He's got. A, he's got oh, a nice yes. place down there. Um, it looks like a nice little village down there. I like it. Uh, but he's reading the paper and he's fuming what Wenger's been saying in the paper about him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you reckon um, any other manager reads the the Sunday tabloid papers about their own match? Um, a current manager. Hmm. Uh, who do I think would read the tabloid press? Uh, I, I, I don't, I, Sean Dyche? Big, the big Dyche? No, no, I think he... Uh, I don't no. care what they say, I'm not bothered. <laughs> I can imagine maybe Lampard taking it all very seriously, like, oh, what they said, no, they, better have a look at it. I think Matt, Lampard, from what I can gather, would be more of a Daily Mail reader. Yeah, uh, but I think he'd, he'd like to sort of... Almost a bit of a Kevin Keegan side to him of like. Oh, on, Keegan and a Redham, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. But I, I can imagine Frank being a little bit similar, like, oh come on, I've got you know, I've got to see both sides to it. What what have they been saying about oh, me? And then being furious after. 
<laughs> One of the best interviews of all time is uh, Frank Lampard when Palace beat him 4-0, and he just basically says all their goals were shit, so it don't count. Yeah. Brilliant, that. Anyway, the replay comes, we lose to Arsenal, and uh, Warnock's... Uh, we, we lose all penalties, games. by the way. Yeah, it's a fantastic performance. Brilliant match this, actually. 0-0, but, yeah, it was a really good game. And, um, yeah, and Warnock says, shag who you want, you know what I mean? Go out, do what, get pissed, because... Obviously, before that, he told them, before the Plymouth game, he told them to all be professional and they got hammered. And you see that run by Stuart McCall, Stuart McCall's assistant manager. Uh, no. He goes, shag who you want, get pissed. And McCall goes running out of dressing room as if he's about <laughs> to do it like then, then and there. Brilliant. Uh, yeah, McCall, McCall looks exactly the same in this, by the way, as he does now to me. I was looking at this documentary and I was amazed at how many players in this documentary are still involved with United in some way or another now. You've got McCall's, again, the assistant manager. You've got Del Geary, who's academy manager. Coslock, Morgan and Tong all work for SUTV. There's probably others in there as well. Um, yeah, I can't think of any others. But yeah, yeah. But I think they did create that, that family feel. And yeah, I hope what comes across in this to non-United fans is that, yeah, he's a bit of a shouting madman. But there's a warmth there that, that it might mm. not be easy to see at a distance. But I think it is there. This is again. This is, feels like a documentary from the nineties. This I think, and it's not. It's, it's only just after the nineties. But this is a guy who's still in football up until last season at Middlesbrough as well, a big club. Not talking like he went down to the conference. He were in the championship. Um, deadline day, he signs Danny Webber, and then he starts talking about Marcus Gale. Going, is he is he available then? I love yeah, that I like scene. him. Yeah, I love everything about that scene. I love how dated his office looks with its terrible <laughs> wallpaper. Mm. I love how he's got Danny Webber in as this sort of youngish lad who's just signed on deadline day. And and he's instantly trying to sort of wheedle out phone numbers of players he might be able to get out. Have, have you got his number? Is him, he fit? Man. I'd like him, mate. Yeah, I, I know. Just, see, this is a guy. Say. I don't imagine that happened at Middlesbrough last season. You know, like we had Steve Gibson, Middlesbrough chairman, going, has that, has that got his number to like, I don't know, Watmore or someone like that? I just can't. It, just such a... There's a bit as well where he's, he's been on phone to Mark Hughes now. Yeah. I, I don't know, just... Uh, it's really funny because he says, he's not got back to me yet, Mark. And Mark Hughes is like, oh, fucking hell, it's him. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I just, I don't know, you kind of imagine that the way things are done is you speak to the board and you say, look, I, I'm interested in yeah. this guy, can you make the approach? It sounds like he's phoning people left, right and centre all the time. I, I imagine people. things must have changed. You've got transfer committees and everything now. And we know certain managers, we, Chris Wilder, our last manager, we, oh, a couple of managers ago, furious for like with people not getting deals over the line and stuff so it can't happen like this now but it, like you say it does seem like warnock conducting all the transfers yeah yeah and uh, uh, sorry. sorry yeah yeah is that where we get this uh famous line with Kozluk as well that i love where it says this uh, is coming up now so we get yeah. uh we, we we play just before that work we play leads and uh away from Ellen ellen and he's on the pitch before talking to the lads I love how nonchalantly he tells uh, Andy Little is on the bench. Play a little clip here. I don't want to, you know, I'm not, not strutting. I just want to see you fucking just do your job on there, whoever it is. I don't know whether it's Johnson or Derry or anybody. Because I think you can you know, give us that bit more quality. And, you know, I think Magic can play with webs and off, can't you? Uh, we'll see when we get to you about what we're doing. But, yeah, I think it's made a match. I don't want you to try and enjoy it tonight. Are you in that? I don't want you about 30 odd thousand. They're all hating me, not you. Funny. Ruby for score. Mm. Lids. You're on bench. I'm going to put you on bench. Sorry, son. <laughs> You're on bench, son. He's really like talking. I think it's Jackie Elkins talking to him. Why do you want you to do? Get in here. Don't be scared. Get in. Lids, you're on bench, son. 
But yeah, this this scene you're on about with Kozlok, uh, I'll play it here. You've got to be a good fucking player to wear them, Cos. No. Yeah, I love that line. I, I remember laughing at that when I first saw it. Um, and actually, they, they said today, was it Kozlok or was it Geary? I can't remember they were asking him about, um, I think it was Geary actually, did he cause you problems with sort of pranks? And mm. He said, no, it's great having people like that around because he knew kind of when not to press the button and when, when it was all right to have a bit of a laugh and a joke. And you do mm. need people who can diffuse that pressure. There's a bit as well, by the way, there when, I, th- I don't know if it's when we're playing Leeds, but when ball comes across and, and Warnock actually boots it. Yeah. Like, pretend boots it into the net. I know you see managers on sidelines sort of twitch or like half do a header. He, he yeah. runs and does a full kick as if he's yeah, booting yeah. the ball. There's a bit here, which is the worst part about Warnock, I think. Um, this is... I remember we did Blaze Pod and we covered the season after this, and Ben just said, This fucking sums Warnock up. They're all United fans being Warnock, gears a wave. Warnock, Warnock, gears a wave. And I'll play the clip here. Fucking give him away. Fucking now. They're fucking chanting me out in a week. Yeah. And I just think that is. Even then, he's picking a fight. It's almost like he can't accept mm. any praise. It's like, yeah, football fans are fickle. Everybody knows that. And I imagine, you know, the week before, somewhere on Radio Sheffield going, he's got to go Warnock, he's rubbish. But every every club's like that. And the singing his name is like, give him a wave. I mean, he doesn't even do the token gesture and just raise the hand, does he? It? No, like, no. Yeah. He, he, I think he's a, he's a stubborn man. I think... <clears throat> I don't think he holds a grudge in a sense of when his players have let him down. I think he, he moves on. I think he, mm. he can get on with that. But I think if if you've wronged him away from the pitch, oh um, yeah, that, that's grudge is going to stay, isn't it? But so the, we're, we're coming towards then now. United after that four 0 win, you think they're going to push on? They actually win one of the last six, and miss out in the playoffs. And he's so. I think that speech at the end is is probably the best, one of the better managerial sort of speeches I've seen because he. It's the only time he really does go in on the players, says they're a soft touch, says they've got no aggression and they're not going to be bothered because they're going to be flying off on the holidays. And he says he's going to replace them. And you think, uh, but he did. And we've got promotion the next season. Yeah, it clearly, you know, they clearly let him down in those few games. And, you know, one of the things that's quite interesting about it is because I think they just picked a random season. Mm. You assume you're watching this because... Something happened, yeah. Yeah, it's you know, it's they win a cup at the end, or they get promoted at the end, or they get relegated at the end. But yeah. It, it all feels quite, in terms of the actual documentary as a set piece, it, it's quite, it's quite a, a bit of a letdown, really. It feels yeah, like, the ending. I mean, obviously. Almost, today, when I was watching it, I'd, I'd watched it again yesterday, but today when I was watching it, I'd, I'd got it in the background while doing something else, and mm. I was sort of surprised when it just finished, and I thought, oh, oh yeah, that's where it ends. Well, there's a brilliant bit at the end, I think, where there's a lap of honour and he walks out, he's getting booed, like really clearly getting booed, like audibly. It's not just a few people. Yeah. And he still does the lap of honour. And I don't know if I respect him for that or it's almost like Donald Trump sort of well, style arrogance. Does it. Where, and he ends up yeah. sort of swaggering into a tunnel with like a smile on his face. Massive smile. You can hear people boo. <laughs> and he still does it. He was so close to getting fired here, I think. I think he, I think McCabe was so close to getting rid of him. But he didn't and we got promoted. Uh, the problem is, and again, I think he, the reason we kept it, I think McKay wanted him out here, but I think mm. it had cost money to replace him. So 
they, they kind of let him go again because they didn't want to, for one, they didn't want to pay somebody else. And for two, they didn't want to, someone coming in who were going to ask for a, a big transfer budget. To be I fair, think. you know, I'd give him a little bit of money the season after. We bought Eiffel for a bit of money. Um, Shipley came in, he wanted to be on loads. But we didn't spend loads. Yeah, did we didn't spend... Did he get stead? How, how long after this did we get stead? Yeah, because there's a scene earlier where he talks about, again, people have fallen off the straight. Now, John Stead was seen as this, like, at the time, like, just before this documentary, where or the up-and-coming new striker Blackburn and signed him, and he did nothing at Blackburn. And he wants him, and he never did anything. And again, it's another typical Warnock signing in that I can get some out of this lad. And he signed him in the Premier League, so two seasons after this, and he was right. fantastic for us in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, he's, and he's, he's, again, he's done not, not, not re- he had a great career stead at lower league and stuff, but he never really matched. Well, he never got back to the Premier League, as far as I remember. I like the, the sort of humour as well in the end. In the- yeah. Despite him slagging off refs all the way through, it finishes with him refereeing a game at Matlock, I think, is it? Yeah. Um, which takes it right back to where it started, obviously. And yeah, I think he's he's still quite strong. I heard him today slagging off referees again, and and he's insistent that you know. And I think this is a bit of miss though. He he, he praises referees sometimes as well, and mm. he was talking about a young ref that they put in the VAR. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, he needs time to to become a good ref. Don't drop him into this environment, and you know. I think for all of his perceived hatred of referees, I think he, he does want to make them better. I, th- I don't think he's just saying things. You know, I think he'll say the same in 10 years when he's finished football as he was doing angrily on the touchline. I think mm. he's disappointed in the standard of refereeing and thinks there are ways it could be better. Mm. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think, like I say, as a manager, when he managed us, I was I was pretty happy when he left. In hindsight, I was probably wrong and we probably should have got rid of him. But... Obviously, we're reviewing the documentary. I know we talked a lot about Warnock and gone on tangents and stuff. And it's a just watch it. I think it's a fantastic football documentary. There's this, there's a Club for a Fiver, which is about Leighton Orient, which I still think is probably my favourite ever. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. yeah, I think that's my favourite ever football documentary. There's the Barry Fry one, which I think is a little bit more staged than this, the Barry Fry one. I think Fry definitely plays up to the cameras. But that, that's a good one as well. But this is up there. Yeah, 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 definitely. So, um, yeah, that takes us to the end of the Neil Warnock documentary. So there we go. Last bonus episode of this series. And now all there is left to do now really is, is discuss next series. So the Angel f- boy. The We're going ep- through change. Remember that? No. Uh ch 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 change. That's another one. Anyway. What's that? Uh Bowie, isn't it? Ch 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 Um yeah, do, do you want to discuss the, the slight format change or do you want yeah. to just... Yeah, so first of all, anyone who's stuck with us from the start, you'll know we started off trying to do the clips were being sent and we, we shuffled around and where Maidley sits. We're going to separate some of that stuff into a, a midweek Maidley. Um, yeah. Mid, Midvok Maidley, if you're a German listener. Yeah. Uh, Mechlidy yeah. Maidley, if you're French. Yeah. I don't know anymore. Berlin um, Blade, that's for him. Um, but yeah, basically, this comes a bit of this is from uh, a guy called Harry's game on the S2 forum who said he doesn't, he wasn't happy with me because we didn't read out his email. And without sort of, I don't know, sounding like we are the kings of the podcast, we do get a lot of 
Yeah, but this is not, emails. by the way, though, this is not us entering any sort of contract where we're going to read everything out. It's, oh, no. We can't, we're not doing that. But we do but, like to keep the podcast within an hour. Uh, we do, and, we, and we worry we, about babbling on at the start and not getting straight into it. So yeah. this is going to be, it's going to, it's going to trim it down a lot. The, the episode we're going to try and release sort of week round about the weekends is going to be the main mm. content. We're going to strip out anything that's happening with mainly any clips have been sent, any feedback, and any just, just general. Just a quick twenty-minute episode where the stuff that you've sent in, we'll try and read as much as it out as we can. Any clips that you send in, and also talk more about mainly. Yeah, definitely. And if you know, if you if you just want to stick with the the kind of content stuff, probably suits you better because that just comes now once a week. If you do like hearing us talking about, I don't know, just random nonsense, then hopefully this is another opportunity. So, mm. yeah, thanks, uh, thanks everyone for for sticking with us so far. Um, and do you want to reveal what yeah, you just yeah, decided? Yeah. Just decided that the first episode of Series 4 is... It's Neil Warnock. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's CITV versus CBBC. Now, that's a little bit vague. We're going to add some categories in that that we're going to come come together and give our answers for. Best animation, best presenters, stuff like that. But, yeah, it's uh, the age-old debate, CITV versus CBBC going to be more retro stuff but we're yeah. not rolling out anything more recent if you think it's worth a shout um, so we're going to you're basically going to decide once and for all that i mean my money i've not looked into this my money's on cbbc but as i have I'm, to say I'm, I'm the same i'm, I'm hoping there's some citv stuff there's, that's a, there's a couple me. of things that have thrown like citv stuff i think oh yeah that we're on citv so we're going to decide what were the best children's tv basically when we were growing up yeah and that's episode one um, not giving ourselves a time commitment, but hopefully I'm away next week. A bit of time to research it. I don't know, may, maybe sort of two to three weeks, and then yeah, we want to be we want to be better at doing the regular weekly one and the midweek one. So yeah, hopefully uh, it all comes together next series. And thanks everyone, thanks for sticking with us this far. If if you've got this far, and yeah, uh, same old story. Give us a like. Give us a follow, give us a question, give us hate mail, whatever you want to do. Yeah, thank you very much for listening, and I will see you next time, Liam. Certainly will. If uh, anyone wants to get in touch with us, send us anything, find us on Twitter at livingwithmade1, or you can send us an email at livingwithmadely at outlook.com. Living